Blue Chip Sports Network presents Get in the Game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and bluechipbroadcasting.com. I'd like to welcome everybody to episode 90 of Get in the Game. It is a great night. We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about broadcasters from all angles, specific broadcasters, what makes a good broadcaster, things that broadcasters have said that, you know, just kind of stick with you, famous lines, famous catastrophes, different types of broadcasters and what they do. And and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about some of the classics as well as some of the uh, the newcomers and the, and the guys that are really taking center stage right now. But with us tonight, we have the entire gang. We'll start with my partner, Brian Nelson. Welcome, Brian. Glad to see you. Thank you, Eric. One of my favorite things to talk about, the guys who call the games or talk about them before and after. Well, that would be near and dear to our hearts since we kind of belong to that fraternity, though we don't have quite as much hardware as some of the guys that we're going to talk about. But, you know, we call games. Hey, we have stories. We have scaffolding stories, Eric. Not too many guys have scaffolding stories. No, we have cut our teeth for years. <laughs> we have scaffolding stories where we called a football game on the top of a scaffold that I don't think was OSHA certified by any stretch of the imagination. Not even close. Teetered with every breath. We have with us the professor, Mr. Reggie Wright. Reggie, glad you could join us tonight. Uh, Eric, you can put me on the board. Yes, I am here. And uh, very, very excited to talk about what I think, um, man, and, and I think it's so, like, I, I never have I been more, um, ne- never has my hat been further off for an announcer than, than during this 2020 season where there are no fans, there are, uh, there's a, you know, limited amount of sports on television. And it just kind of reminds me, like, some of these voices that we grow up listening to during our formative years or when we're first learning about a sport, um, oftentimes it's, it's not even so much the players, you know, the, the legendary players that we watched. It's about, it's about the, uh, the voices that we fell asleep to at night or, or the, that, that we took long road trips with. And, uh, Abs- absolutely Reggie. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there will be some stories about some guys that really got us interested in the things that we do. Now, one of the things you know, that we're talking about is, is all of us have done uh, broadcasting in one way, shape, or form. Either as play-by-play analysts, sideline, uh, interviews. All of us have done media. Uh, and speaking of all of us who have done media, we've got somebody who's been on both sides of the media, Mr. Jordan Santa Maria, as an athlete and a broadcaster. Yeah, what's going on, Eric? I mean, I can't wait for this topic. This is kind of how I met you guys, right? I, I was I was playing, and then all of a sudden I, I looked over, you know, on the side of the bench. I saw you guys. I didn't really know you, and then I was like, shoot, you know, why why not give it a shot? And then uh, all of a sudden I got thrown into the fire. I'm doing baseball games. We're in double headers, and it's rain delays, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm well I'm well I'm well seasoned. I don't know. So uh, that's right. No, it's a great you know- topic, though. Hearing that story, Brian, kind of brings a tear to my eye, watching me grow up, you know. <laughs> but let's start this, let's, let's start this whole thing. And, and I got to tell you, to me, broadcasters can be the guys that open up the gateway to get you really interested in sports. I'll never forget 
being, I think I was about nine years old in New York and I was sick and it was right around Christmas time. And my parents went to church on a Sunday night and I got to stay home for my very first time. And I was laying on the couch and I was watching a football game uh, that they left on kind of to babysit, I guess. Um, and it was Kurt Gabby on the call of an Oakland Raiders, Kansas city Chiefs football game. And the reason it stands out to me is here I am, it's Christmas. I've got the Christmas tree in the corner. All the other lights are off. I've got two to three feet of snow on the outside. And I'm watching this football game in bright sunshine with bright uniforms and, and Kurt Gowdy just painting this picture, you know, while I watch this game. And it really, it's, it's a memory that I'll never forget because it just stayed with me. And I was riveted for three hours watching a game for teams that I knew nothing about. Um, or care anything about, but it was just, it was one of those memories indelibly placed on my mind. And as you look back, a guy like Kurt Gowdy knew how to use his voice to create a picture. And I think that is incredibly important when you're doing play by play. No, I think it's absolutely critical. And I think in the age now, Eric, where everything is televised, rarely is there a professional sporting event that is not on, you know, a regional or national sports network the radio guys and their skills, which Kurt Gowdy was more of a TV guy, but he, he cut his teeth in radio as yep. well. You learn to paint a picture. It's a different game when you have to talk about on radio. That's why I think what guy, what's going on right now where these radio guys are having to call a game on a, from a monitor. They're not at the ballpark when their team's on the road. They're calling it on a monitor. And the ability for them to be able to do that without just, you know, not having any idea what's going on, but be able to paint that picture is pretty incredible. You know, I think about for me, you know, I'm a baseball guy, Giants fan. And, you know, one of the first guys I remember, and Eric, I don't know if you remember this guy, but they televised very few games, but they would always televise Giants Dodgers on KTVU Channel 2. Channel 2. Do you remember the Giants play-by-play TV guy on those broadcasts? It was not very good. But he's a guy I remember more than anybody else. Was it Lindsey Nelson? No, he was the radio guy at that time. It was actually a guy by the name of Gary Park. Huh. And all he did any, was any those to Chan games. Ho? What's any that? relation to Chan Ho Park? No. No, no. no this guy was uh, fairly light-skinned uh, with a tan and gray hair. But okay. I just Eric, remember Eric, those, how surprised. unique it I'm was to have that. I'm surprised you didn't remember him, Eric, because uh, – uh, I was just going to say, I'm surprised that Eric didn't remember him because um, Eric, Eric goes way back. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he remembers when, when Christy Mathewson was just coming up as a young whippersnapper for the, for the <laughs> Thank you, Reg, but no, no, not quite <laughs> that far back. And I, would I remember say, Gary reason, Park, huh? The reason I don't pick up on Gary Park, Brian, is because I, I spent most of my time – I came to the Giants a little bit later. Right. After, thank goodness, he no longer was the broadcast. Because he wasn't very good. Now, he just happened to be the sports guy for Channel 2. And at that time, they didn't do a lot of TV games. So they didn't want to pay somebody a full-time gig. So they just let him go. That was part of his contract. So I listened to the Giants on the radio and listened to them a lot in my room, either doing my homework or whatever, uh, you know, whatever I had going on. And I would listen to Hank Greenwald. Yep. And that's where my love of baseball came from, uh, was being about 11 years old, listening to Hank Greenwald do baseball now out here in California. So we transitioned. 
So, so Brian remembers Gary Parton. Not fondly. I just, that's the first name that comes to my mind when I think about watching a game as a kid. So who was the first guy you heard, Jordan? Well, there, I think there's a couple. So I think growing up in the Bay Area, I've been pretty lucky for, for the teams that, you know, I like the Raiders, the Warriors, the Giants, um, that I've had such great announcers to listen to. I mean, we've already heard from Brian, you know, Crook and Kipe, obviously some of the best in the game. But when I think of the Raiders, I think of Greg Papa um, and just listening to him, you know, watching the game with my dad or my uncle or, you know, we, we'd have Sundays where we just all just have a barbecue and watch Raider games and we wouldn't always win the game, but you get to listen to Greg Papa and his voice is just so iconic. And when they score touchdowns, you know, it's the Greg Papa call. Um, and then watching the Warriors um, for those 730 games, you know, every time they're on and you get you get Fitz and Jim Barnett. Um, I think it's just th- their voice and just kind of that it's almost soothing that you just know that, you know, those are the guys that call the games for your teams are kind of the things that I remember growing up. How about you, you Rick? When, when he said Warriors, Raiders, what name went in your head? Because I guarantee it's the same one went into my head. Bill King. Bill King. Holy Bill King. Toledo! Bill King. King. That's another one. Another hey, one. If you, if you took Bill King's picture, and this is nothing, this is no commentary on, on who he is as a man, because he was a nice man with a lot of uh, uh, wide interest range. But I swear, the first time I saw him with the mustache and the little sharp goatee, I thought it was a picture of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> but the man could call a football game and a basketball game. I, I heard him do Warriors games and, and, and uh, definitely divide, decide, deserves to be in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. And remember the early 80s, the Oakland A's, you know, we talk about Crook and Kipe, John Miller, Dave Fleming, probably the, the strongest four-man group to do a baseball. Do you realize that the A's in the early eighties, their radio team was Bill King and Lon Simmons. Nice team. That's it's, hard, it's hard to think of either one of those guys taking a back seat to the other and decide yes. you're, you're calling play by play this and I'm doing an analysis. I don't see that happening. So Reg, who was the first guy you heard? Well, um, you know, truthfully, if, if we're talking about like just sitting back and listening to a game, I grew up on Lon Simmons and uh, I remember, you know, Crook and Kipe when they were, you know, just kind of getting popular um, as, a, as a Bay Area sports fan. But truly, um, you know, I remember as a kid what really started the, the guys that drew me into sports um, were less the announcers because those guys, my, my grandfather, um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had this experience, but what he would do is he'd, he'd throw the baseball game on the television and, and, and mute it and then listen to the uh, 15 second or 30 second radio delay. He'd listen to the game on the radio. Um, So, you know, uh, as far as baseball goes, Lon Simmons and Crook and Kipe, you know, I I remember just spending night after night during the summer in my grandparents' uh, living room, just, just listening to them and watching the game. But, um, for me growing up, it, it was, uh, you know, I was kind of more drawn to like the studio host. Like I remember, um, Ahmad Rashad used to do a weekly basketball, uh, like, yeah. like a, like a review mm-hmm. replay show in the NBA, like that, you know, what happened in the NBA. And I, I might be, um, part of the, the younger generation who just kind of like now, now we're inundated with highlights and that's kind of what everybody goes to and they don't really sit and watch a full game anymore. Um, and it was a little bit that way back then, I, you know, like I got to see, 
um, highlights from around the league and the top 10 plays of the week and all that stuff. And that was fun. Um, Mel Allen, there was a, there was a cartoon rendition of Mel Allen's this week in baseball. Cause he had passed away at that point. Um, but they kind of revived him, uh, post-mortem via cartoon or via animation. And he did a weekly baseball, uh, television show and I'd watch highlights from that. And, and so those two guys, you know, Mel Allen and, uh, uh, Ahmad Rashad were, were kind of the guys that, that I grew up on just as the, you know, part of the highlight culture, I guess. So let me ask you this. Let's just shift real quick in all the genres, whether it's play by play analysis, studio host, sideline host, whatever you want to think of, give me your all time best guy. Oh. Want to get your sports from oh. all time best. The, the, the one that you absolutely love more than all the others. Right. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't want to supersede you here, but like, I, I also want to have a conversation about like, if you guys were to, to build the, the perfect announcer, what, uh, like, let's say he's like a video video game character or whatever. And he can, he can have certain attributes. Like what, what would be your key ingredient for your announcer? So I don't know if, if we can talk about that after this and that maybe that this kind of sets that up or vice versa, but I'd be interested to get your guys thoughts on that too. Okay. Like, is it, is humor important? Is telling us is storytelling important? Like, what is the most important trait type thing? I would say for radio, you have to be able to do two things. You have to be able to paint the picture, and you got to be able to tell a good story without the story getting in the way of what's actually going on on the field. And that is one of the most difficult things to do. And I think there's two guys that are better than any others in doing that. One was Len Scott, Ben Scully, and then John Miller two of the best at being able to paint a picture and tell a great story all at the same time. And that is a very difficult thing to do. I'm going to come at it from a little bit different angle uh, because I think what it, what really defines it is the sport that's being called. Right. I'm looking at it from a basketball perspective and being able to have a clear picture of exactly what is going on. Uh, at a given point in a fast-paced ball game. And I, I, I really, I think there was very few better than Chick Hearn, and I never got an opportunity to hear him all that much. Oh, Eric, I, I thought you were going to say Bill Walton. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the no, antithesis. That's kind of the antithesis. But the, the other thing, one of the one of the things that I admire most and, and would love to do, but had to have no talent or ability to do it, is I like I think the studio host in a major athletic event like the Olympics, um, having to be knowledgeable about everything on top of every story and able to interview any athlete in some of the most unique and and and, and different sporting events and do it all with a calm and a palm that, that just, you know, people are, are, you know, that's, that's kind of warm. That's kind of comfortable. Um, that I think is what makes a good one. And, and personally, you know, there's three icons in that genre that I just think stand out way above everybody else. Jim McKay, Bob Costas, and Jim Nance. I think those three guys can do that better than anybody I have ever seen. Well, I'll give you guys one. Um, I just think I've watched so much NBA playoffs and, you know, the finals 
as, as I was growing up and basketball is my thing. And to me, like Marv Albert, I just think his voice is so crisp. It's clean. He's yes. called the playoffs for so long. Yeah, but but Marv's a biter. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, I mean, I, I grew up with Marv. Like, Marv is my guy. I think leading up, you know, to the fourth quarter and at the end of the game, when, he, when, when he's calling games and someone hits a big shot and he goes, bang, and, you know, like, he has all these things to him. I think all Marv I want you to great. do, all I want you to do is I want you to, to look at the analyst on this picture and ask, ask that analyst, how close to Marv Albert is he going to sit? <laughs> Six That's feet all you social do. distancing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jordan. I like Marv Albert. Um and, and along those same lines, I think you know, for me, um I guess it does kind of de- depend on the sport. If I had to pick I, I Eric, I think you're right on with Bob Costas. Um he's so versatile. Uh, and he has one of those iconic voices. He kind of fits into into whatever sport he does. Um, but in terms of like the best in their niche, um, man, I, I I think uh, I think two things that are really important for me are humor. You know, I want to be entertained. Uh, like I like I've never been I've never been much of a storyteller. God God bless him. I know he's on everybody's. Uh, announcing Mount Rushmore or, or broadcaster Mount Rushmore, but Vince Scully just just never moved the needle for me. I know, like, well, that's like sacrilegious. What, there went our LA I audience. Know. Yikes! Yeah. I know, I know, and I. I, I mean, I even a giant fan has to tip your cap to Vince Scully. Yeah. Oh, but see, the thing is with me, and, and I'm not saying like it's not just it's not Vince Scully because he's a Dodger guy. Cause I was never really a big Lon Simmons guy either. And he was, you know, he was a, he was a Giants broadcaster for a long time. And I think to me, it was just, there was, there was not much life in their voice. They, they had great stories and they were fascinating and interesting and they could paint pictures, but um, humor was, was, was dry. You know, that's one of the reasons I like, I like uh, Kruko and uh, so much. Um, but uh, so humor is important, and then excitement and, or excitability is important. That's and what so, Reg loves. Can't get spit out. That's why Reg loves Gus Johnson. There we go. Yeah. Knew it was coming. Yeah. Gus Gus Johnson is one of my all-time favorites. He did March Madness for the longest time, and oh man, I'll never forget the the calls that he made throughout UCLA's comeback against Gonzaga against Adam Morrison and man I that had to be like what 2007 or so um when uh when UCLA down down 18 at the half came back and knocked Gonzaga out and Adam Morrison was crying at half court um just the the intensity and excitement that he brought to that game um was just phenomenal and then he moved over to football and it's it's just as entertaining to watch him call college football games well I tell you what Gus Johnson can make Watching growing grass exciting. He 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 creates excitement sometimes when it's not there. Um, so Reg, it's oh, sorry, so Reg, can you name the guy he did those basketball games with? Who'd they pair him with? Do you remember? For all those years, uh, I'm trying to think. Ryan's uh, about to drop knowledge. You better come up with it. Well, to save uh, to save it? time, we're going to go with. Dan Bonner. Oh, 
And yeah, Dan Bonner, very straight-laced, very calm, which makes him a good compliment to Gus Johnson. Just like who who does he do the college football with now? I'm not. I, I'm not sure. Joel Platt, very same. Joel, very similar. That's why you're not sure because Gus Johnson kind of he he sucks the air. But you, know, you can't put an excitable play-by-play no. guy with an excitable color guy just screaming at each other. Oh, but sometimes though, <laughs> sometimes those end up being the best calls. Like if you think back to some of the greatest calls in history, it's usually when the color guy uh, forgets his place and oversteps the play-by-play man, and uh, you know just pipes in like the like the Stanford upset of USC uh, a few years ago. And I can't, I can't, I can't recall the guy's name for the life of me. But he he start, he just started counting down the clock. You know the the color guy. Or I mean the play by play calling well, the Dave action on Fleming the field. Was the play by play guy? Okay, yeah. So then, uh, yeah, the color guy just pipes in and starts counting down the clock, and it was hilarious. He's just going five, four, you know, and he, like, <laughs> and uh, poor Fleming's trying to call the game. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I think some of those moments are great too. So, when when the moment consumes the announcer. You you open that up to some of the greatest calls of all time. And, and, and I'm interested in hearing what you guys think those are and what made them great. Ooh. I mean, I, I know we've been talking already so much about Kruk and Kite, but I mean, they really are, to me, one of the greatest. And, and the one that stands out is, is Barry Bonds, uh, you know, home run 756. Um, cause I just remember first listening to it I and mean, watching that game. And I think what made it so great was the whole lead up behind it. I mean, every home run from 700 on was like this countdown. And I remember they had pins. I think I went to one of the games when he hit 720 something and, and I was sitting next to a bunch of people and they had the pins ready, ready to pin them on the hat. But, um, watching him hit 756. And I think then watching Kruk and Kipe call it now that they have the replay on them, I think that moment is just so special. And the way it was done was is so well done by two of the greatest announcers. So that, that, that one really stands out. Interesting story about his 756, just as a sideline. The night before he hit 756, uh, I had seats out in center field, right where 756 landed the next night. Man. Yeah, I, I'm still hurt. <laughs> And here was the deal. Here was the deal. I had my son, Eli, with me, who's a center fielder. He would have caught that. <laughs> hey, Eric, uh, it could be worse. You could have been the guy who had tickets the night before and the night after <laughs> at 756. Uh, yeah, that was not our year either, Brian. No, no. <laughs> Not it, our year one of my our ticket group guys. I'll give you the name later, but uh, yeah, n- n- not okay. great. Joy. Well, talk to me, Brian. The greatest call you've ever heard or or know about. I mean, there's so um, many things. The, you know, the one when I hear great calls, obviously there's the Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? But yeah. I saw that tape delayed because on the West Coast, you know, back then they couldn't put it live for some inexplicable reason. Uh, but when I think of the greatest live call that I can remember. There's actually two and they happen to both be baseball world series. One 1986 Ben Scully and the ball gets through Buckner 
Ray Knight comes around to score and the Red Sox lose game six, ultimately lose the World Series the next night. But the one that just jumps out at me is the Jack Buck, for those of you who don't, Joe Buck's dad, who passed away a few years ago. His call of the Kirby Puckett home run in game six of the 1991 World Series, one of the greatest World Series ever. We will see you tomorrow night. That and is and that's all he said. <clears throat> he didn't say high drive. It just, he let the crowd scream it. And then we will see you tomorrow night. Well, he also had that classic call of Kurt Gibson's home run when he came out on one leg. Yes. And he goes, I cannot believe what I just saw. Right. It has become a classic. Reg, what about you? Greatest call. Oh, man. You're right, Eric. There are so many. Um, in terms of the greatest, I mean, I'd probably say – I mean, what's more iconic than um, do you believe in miracles? You know, that's the Al Michaels call of the 1980 uh, miracle on ice. Um, that's that's iconic. That's great. There's, you know, the Giants win the pennant. Everybody knows that yeah. one. That was rough Hodges. Um, I'll tell you my favorite call, though. Uh, I would say, you know, the, the best call has to go to one of those two. I'd probably give it to the um, miracle on ice just because it's a, a nationwide thing. Um, it's just kind of, you know, it shows up on every Olympics broadcast and it will for eternity. Um, you know what, you know, what's interesting, Reg? Al Michaels was your age when he made that call. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's, that's impressive. Wow. I just feel old. <laughs> uh, the closest I can get to that call is pig to the pasture and it ain't close. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jordan, the most iconic. Ring the bell. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I came up with that too. Ring the bell. <laughs> Taylor Bell. Um, I, I will Taylor say that, that my favorite that my favorite call, and you guys, you, you'll just have to go look it up on YouTube. Um, back in 1964, an American long distance runner in the 10,000 meters named Billy Mills is racing against this guy named Mahout Gamudi, and Gamudi is why do I feel like this is going to end poorly? <laughs> no, I mean, I uh, like Gamuti. I'm was sure good, Kip, but he doesn't. Kip, Kip Chogi's he, coming from behind. Yeah, no, no, no. He doesn't hold a candle to Kip Chogi. I mean, Kip Chogi would have eaten Billy Mills for lunch. But anyways, <laughs> Bill, Billy Mills is a is a heavily you know heavy underdog American runner in the 10,000 meters, 1964 Olympics, and um, Dick Bank is on the call, and uh, it's it's one of those situations where he just loses his mind. Um, he, he absolutely loses his mind because Mills comes out of nowhere and you just have to look it up. It's my favorite call of all time. And then, uh, I, I also want to throw this one in there cause it's the most iconic call that has to be one of the worst of all time. And that's Joe Starkey trying to narrate, uh, the Stanford band coming there out on the field during the play against Cal in 1982. Um, I mean, it looked great on tape. But if if uh, if you want, just go back and listen to it sometime without watching the video. You have no idea what's going on, and that's one thing. Um, as a Cal fan and and a longtime 49er fan, Starkey did 49er games for a long time too. Um, in the weirdest way, I mean, he kind of added his own 
his own wrinkle to a broadcast because you'd be on the, the edge of your seat. You're on the edge of, the, of your seat for the entire game because you really don't know what's going on. You kind of have to wait for him to rehash it after the play is over. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's suspense in every call with Joe Starkey. Uh, the band is on the field was about the only thing he got right on that call. Just about the only thing. And, and, and Eric, 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 I got one more just to throw in there. I think down goes Frazier. Ah, I wasn't even alive. I'm That's what I was just going to say. Time. You just you just stole my stuff. My bad, Eric. My bad. But oh, that's all right. I, I, that call has got to be great because I think, I mean, it's in the 70s, right? 1970s? It, yes. It, it's it's yeah. from the announcer that I care for the least. I, I, I am not a Howard Cosell fan, couldn't stand yeah, it. Man. But I still remember, down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. That's about <laughs> as close as I can get to it. <laughs> I mean, I just think it has to be a great call because, I mean, that's like I'm not even a thought. I mean, my parents are like four. I mean, it's and I know the call. So, I mean, that so, that just is such an iconic just sound so, bite. So that's one. And then there's a call um, that I actually tried to imitate once in my career. Um, I was doing PA uh, for indoor soccer in Andre Stanford. I'm afraid he's going to pass out. Which, which would have come off great, except his voice cracked about three seconds in, and he sounded like a, like a prepubescent 12-year-old. Yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a rooster, like a rooster actually, crowing in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, they came and asked me if I would do that again. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, it was resuscitating that oxygen. Yeah, well, yeah, give me some time. I had to call timeout. There's no timeout in soccer, particularly not in indoor <laughs> soccer, but oh, well. Hey, um, let's talk. We, I think Reg opened up the door also on this one. Some of the worst calls you've ever heard. And, and I remember when I used to live in San Diego and I had the um, pleasure of listening to Jerry Cole. position. Who, who I think is absolutely one of the worst, most highly decorated, but worst play-by-play announcers I've ever heard. And literally, this was his call of a Padres game when Dave Winfield was out playing left field. Winfield goes back to the wall. His head, he... But let me try that again. <laughs> that is a bad one. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty rough. Uh, Winfield goes back to the wall. He hits his head on the wall, and it rolls off. It's rolling all the way back to second base. This is a <laughs> terrible thing for the Padres. Tell me what was going on right there. It's oh. all the way to second base. He was awful. That is one of the worst feelings when, when you're when you're doing – play-by-play announcing and you realize you are not calling what you are seeing that there is no way people understand a word that you're saying. Um, you know, I, I, I've had that happen to me. I'm not going to go into specifics. I know Brian's had that happen to him. One of, the, one of the worst calls I have ever heard was a halftime analysis of a high school football oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't want to go into and, that. Oh, but we are. <laughs> we are going there. 
<laughs> wow, we're just putting and, people on the spot today. And, and, and this was a game between Rippin Christian and Turlock Christian. We could have just said a couple of parochial schools. We could have left I, it there. I, I could have, but why not be <laughs> Two very small but very strong small school football teams at the time. And uh, the first half was the worst half of football we had seen all year long. I mean, I think there was a total of seven turnovers. It was eight Ten penalties, and I think we had three points. Yeah. It was bad. It, 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 it was bad. And so we come back from our, our halftime break, and, and we're asking Brian to give analysis on, on what went on in the first half. And Brian came up with this, Jim. The <laughs> Christian team is not having much sex on the field. <laughs> It was meant to be success. Uh, no uh, explanation necessary. <coughs> they just weren't having sex on the field. And I, I, I just, I backed him right up and said, yeah, and their parents are grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> then we just kind of let it hang for a while. So, you know, those things, those things are hard. Have you guys heard anything like that? I, I, to be honest, I don't really have a call. I just have a guy that I, I will not listen to. And we kind of talked to him or talked about him right before the podcast. But Bill Walton, to me, is just horrible. And I know he's a, you know, basketball great to some. And, you know, like he has his credentials. So I guess him speaking is he's certified to speak on certain things. But I swear, man, that guy. All yeah, he the grateful about dead in marijuana. So there. Yeah. I.E. basketball and Chino, and he just starts talking about all types of areas in L.A. like randomly, and he's just just a weird dude, just not not a guy you want to listen to for a call. Yeah, oftentimes it's unrelated to what's happening. No, 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 uh, Reg, gotta... it's always unrelated. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, I, along those lines, I am not a fan of John Sterling, the the Yankees oh, no. guy. Oh no, no, can't stand like, it. I, I'm I'm not really a catchphrase guy. You, if it's you if don't it's kitschy, you know. You don't like a bomb for a rod? No, no. There's so <laughs> many. And it's not just that one. It's uh, there. There's so many. There's so many. Um, like, uh, man, he used to say something about Bobby Abreu is as sweet as candy or something like that. Just the dumbest stuff. And it just takes me, takes me out of, uh, out of what's going on. Um, I just think he's trying too hard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, like he's probably my least favorite announcer. Uh, Joe Buck has to be on there, uh, on, on my list of least favorites. Um, but I mean, you know, in terms of like, like bloopers, uh, I, I kind of did a little bit of research, <laughs> um, and uh, Winston Bennett. He was a he's a like a race car announcer, and he said something like, "I've never had major knee surgery on any other part of my body on any other part of my body." Um, you know, just goofy stuff like that. Um, strangely, in slow motion replay, the ball seems to hang in the air for even longer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just. Uh, like they're kind of like Yogi Bearism, the Yogi Bearisms, um, just stuff like that. But man, uh, John Sterling really uh, is on my my least favorite announcer list, and Joe Buck. All right, hmm. Let, let's let's switch it now. We did worst, and I've been on the worst list, obviously here. So let. <laughs> <laughs> I just that was one that was a screw up. It's like, what is the hardest thing for a sports announcer to say? What 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 is the one phrase? That, that success because if you don't say well, it slow enough you're gonna it's gonna come out wrong yeah success is is one of them but the top of the list when you have to do an injury report 
and it includes the phrase bulging disc. The number uh, of times uh, that that gets messed up, it, oh, yeah. it has to do it, you know? All right, so let's <laughs> let's switch it here. Let's switch it here because we're about we've reached the midpoint of the podcast. Quick question. I'm gonna just and rapid fire. Best team or individual to call a different sport. I'm just gonna go around real fast. Let's start with baseball. You got one yep. baseball game to listen to. Who's it gonna be? Jordan, Ooh. start with you. Ooh. I got to choose one guy or a duo. Duo, one guy or a duo, whichever you prefer. Oh, uh, Krug and Kai, easy, taking them. Eric. Oh, uh, for baseball, um, Bob Costas. Reggie. I got John Miller. I'm gonna tell you guys since you guys already took the two, I was gonna take. I'll tell you a guy I really like, but he doesn't get. He was on ESPN for a while. But now he's back doing Toronto Blue Jay games. I think Dan Shulman is excellent. Used to do Sunday Night Baseball up until the last couple of years. I think he's really, really good. All right, next, basketball. Doesn't have to be current. Could be any all-timers if you want. Basketball. Reg. Oh, uh, I mean, Gus Johnson. Eric? I'll take anything that Dickie Vitale is being the analyst on. I got, Jordan. I got Marv Albert and Mark Jackson with Craig with Craig uh, Craig Sager on the sideline. I think that would be the ultimate team right there. There you go. I will go with an old Eric will remember this this duo. They were fun. This is what I remember growing up college basketball because they only really broadcast the Final Four. How about Dick Enberg and Al McGuire? Dick Enberg and Al McGuire. Yes, very good. And then a you little Billy Packer thrown in. If if I can pick a duo, uh, I, I had Gus Johnson. I'm going to throw Kevin Harlan in there, too. I know they don't do games together, but I, I really like Kevin. Kevin Harlan. Harlan's real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's kind of one of those underrated big-time broadcasters. Never is the number one guy, but he's always in that next level. All right, last one, football. Who would you want to do either the national championship game or the Super Bowl? For me, that's easy. I'll take Michaels and Madden. Okay. I like I like Chris Berman. I do. Just in anything. Anything with football with Chris Berman. Give me some Chris Berman. It's going to be exciting. You'll laugh. It'll be great. Chris Berman and Tom Jackson? I'll take those guys any day of the week. Reg? Uh, I already picked Gus Johnson, so I'm going to go Brad Nessler and Kirk Herbstreet. Hmm. Yeah. I, I would agree. I, I like Fowler and Herb Street. I think Nestler was better with Herb Street, a little more energy. But um, I'm going to go with the with the to me the one of the best duos, Pat Summerall and John Madden. I'm going back. You're going back. I'm going back. You yeah. knew when Summerall and Madden were doing a game on a Sunday afternoon, you knew it was a big game. So yeah. So I want to talk a, a little bit about. I, I don't think, uh, as we've talked here, and, and I mentioned him once before, I don't think a guy by the name of Chick Hearn gets enough credit as an announcer. Let me. I, one of the things in some of the research that I was doing, I, there were seven terms that Chick Hearn developed that 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 Chick Hearn used to to first 
and, and it's now a part of the common day lexicon. Uh, Chick Hearn came up with slam dunk. Chick Hearn came up with air ball. Triple double. He coined the phrase finger roll. Dribble drive. Ticky tack foul. And charity stripe. Those are parts, when you're an announcer and you develop the lexicon of the game, you, you, you've done something. You've painted a picture. And there are so other, many others. His, his sign-off became classic. The game is in the fridge. The door is closed. The eggs are cool and the butter's getting hard. And the jello's jiggling. And you knew <laughs> the Lakers won. Game was over. And that could he would, he would rattle that off at three minutes left or two minutes left or whatever – you know, whenever the game was done and nobody could come back. I just, I love that. And then he also had this other way. He says, if there's really 18,000 fans here tonight, a lot of them came dressed like seats. (laughs) 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 You know, it paints you a picture. And it just, I I thought, I I think guys like that are so good with words. You know, if, 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 if I could paint a picture like that, you know, that would be, you know, something special. Is there anybody who just paints for you? I, I think, think, I think for, go ahead, Jordan. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, no, you go. I think for me, I don't know if it's like painting the picture, but a guy, and I talked about it in the preview that it kind of like coins the same phrases that I would use with my friends or has that same type of lingo that you're talking about, Eric. Um, and I, is Mark Jackson. I think, you know, maybe a better coach than he is announcer. But when he's doing the highlights and, and he says stuff, you know, like stop on a dime and leave them nine cents or or hand down, man down. Like those are the type of kind of commentary that I think, you know, the younger generation and guys like me get really excited about. And I think for like certain phrases and coins that he has, there's no one better right now that's doing it than Mark Jackson. Yeah, I was going to say to me, it's, it's John Miller. Baseball is the picture painting. I mean, for especially on radio, I think Miller's just exceptional at what he does. He's entertaining. He's funny. He's a great storyteller. Uh, he knows when to get excited. When to, I mean, he's honest about if he, if uh, you know, the play is poor, he's willing to say it. Remember the Rene Rivera run around the bases, Eric? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just type. Just Google Rene Rivera. Trip, wild trip around the bases, John Miller call, something like that. It is hysterical, and John was very honest about what he thought about that inability to run the bases like a normal human being. But I just think there's something about him that is uh, unique. And Eric and I have had the privilege of uh, meeting him before in person and one of the great gentlemen in the game as well. A very, very, very good man. Reg, what about you? Um, I think in terms of painting the picture, Brian, in my listening experience, I'm right with you. There's no equal to John Miller. So um, in order to broaden the scope, I look at other guys that are just just flat out entertaining um, guys that I just enjoy. You know, the mark of a good announcer to me is is a guy that I enjoy listening to that that's not my my home team's announcer. You know, and, oh, and I thought he was going to I thought he was going to drop my name for a second. Brian. <laughs> no. Well, you, you're not my uh, home team announcer. Actually, you are. Yeah, I am. Well, I guess, I guess my, my literal home team announcer. Your literal home uh, team is me. 
<laughs> but Bob, Bob Euchre is a guy that I've just always loved. And I think it's because, um, I don't know, he's just, he just has this self-deprecating nature about him. I mean, he, he played in the big leagues and, and he, uh, he always knows how to, how to point a zinger at himself at the perfect time just to keep things entertaining. Like, um, you know, just like simple things like, uh, you know, he's attributed with saying, I led the league and go get him next time. Or uh, I knew my career was over in 1965. My baseball card came out with no picture. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, <laughs> and then um, famously one time he said, uh, one time I got pulled over at 4 a.m. I was fined $75 for being intoxicated and 400 for being with the Phillies. Um, you know, he's just, he's just real funny. Uh, he, I set records that'll never be equaled. In fact, I hope 90% of them don't ever, don't even get printed. Uh, you know, just, just things like that. He, he just, um, and obviously, uh, you know, he was in the, the, he, he's in sports lore as, as one of the, um, the, uh, cameo appearances in major leagues, you know, the major league, uh, well, he made that movie. Movies. I mean, he, he was that? one of the reasons that movie was so good. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, icon, icon of the sport just for being funny. And, and I kind of appreciate that. He always, he always makes me chuckle. So, I'll give you one guy that I grew up watching, Eric, and we finally got, remember we got WGN for a few years in the cable yeah. when we were, you were Kids. probably getting ready to go to, or in college yeah. and I was in high school and uh, Harry Carey was well, very, very entertaining. I just, I, that's one of the questions. I've never had a privilege of, of, of listening much to Harry Carey. I've heard his voice. I've seen his shtick with the seventh inning stretch. But I don't know what kind of an announcer he was and why he was so popular, except for longevity. But he was humorous. He was funny. You know, you really kind of didn't know. He'd be talking well, that's about... That's because he was half in the bag most of the time. Well, well, that's part of it. That adds that adds to the humor. But, you know, he'd talk about so-and-so from you know, Southern Wisconsin or Southern Illinois or, you know what I mean? People would write in and he'd, he'd just start talking about him like he knew him. He probably didn't. He's just making it all up. But there was a, he was personable. And I think that's what endeared him to Cub fans and White Sox fans for most of the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. I tell you what, Brian, if, if, if we could even emulate any of these guys just a little bit, our careers will take off compared to <laughs> Eric, I got one. I got one more um, b before we kind of transition here, but kind of off the script, kind of crazy. But when I was young, man, I loved the WWE, and, and I know, I know you guys don't know, you know, much about, you know, I don't know if you watch the WWE, but they have two of the greatest announcers ever. I mean, some of the best <laughs> memes ever created are of Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, just, just Jim Ross is this. This I old guy with this up, cowboy hat. I thought you were going to bring up Mean Gene Okerlund. Oh, no. <laughs> this is Jim Ross from the WWE. He has this cowboy hat. And when you talk about painting the picture, when he talks about the Undertaker choke slamming somebody, it is the funniest thing of all time. I just, I'm just telling you. So I, I have the homework assignment for you guys. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, WWE, just look up calls. It's hilarious. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Well, we have run the gamut over all kinds of broadcasters, and, and we wanted to do that tonight just because that's who we are. It's what we do, and we thought it would be a lot of fun to 
talk about some of these guys, some of the legacies they've left, some of the things they've thrown out there, um, including some of the things that we have thrown out there. I'm getting hand signals from Brian that I do not understand. Get closer to the mic. <laughs> oh, well, we can do that too. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the Get in the Game Classic, our attempt to simulate a baseball season using Hall of Fame players and modern day players. And you know what? I don't have a, lo- a whole lot to say because I'm bitter. So I'm going to let Reggie talk about it a little bit since. Uh, he was the champion coming from out of nowhere because I can't win the last game of the season, 11, 10, and 11 innings. Ooh, team under 500 like me. Yeah. Yeah. No fun. So Reg, what can you tell us about what we just finished? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the season did come down to the, to the very, the, to the final game. Um, it was uh, we we went in tied Eric you and I and you you had the Nutcrackers whom uh, for whatever reason just beat the absolute snot out of you um, Brian you you came back to life every time you played the exceptionals and uh, in the final final of the game of the year between those two uh, in a game between Carl Hubble and Cy Young on the mound um, the Nutcrackers took it in eleven innings by a final score of eleven to ten leaving the door wide open for uh, the Wright Sox against the Chichitas. Uh Wright Sox had Babe Adams on the mound facing Randy Johnson, who is a formidable pitcher throughout the season. Um, but we found a way to get it done. We won 11-6, to clinching the uh, regular season title. Um, but really, you know, what I found interesting is um, I'm going to go over to the league leaders here and take a look. Um, you know, there was a pretty good mix. Uh, obviously, we picked teams from all of baseball history. I had some guys from the 1800s. Um, Brian kind of went with, uh, you know, guys like like um, 50s, 50s, 50s yeah. 60s, I went 70s, to the romantic. You know, the I went to the, the romantic, romantic part of baseball. Um, Eric was a little bit all over the map. He had some, some, some old school legends, some new guys. And, and Jordan went with, uh, more of the, the more recent, uh, standouts. And, um, you know, as I'm looking at like the batting average leaders and the home runs leaders, it's, it's fascinating. Cause we've got, uh, Luke Gehrig who, who played for the right Sox. He won the batting crown. Uh, he hit 359 on the season, but, but second behind him was Francisco Lindor of the Nutcrackers. Which, um, Brian, that, that's quite a feat, right? On your team, uh, for the longest time, you were ha- struggling hitting. So, uh, you know, did, what, did you have a, a, a one-on-one meeting with Francisco? Or, or no, I actually how, started to play him instead of Cal Ripken Jr., and it worked a lot better for my team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you, you sat the Iron Man, huh? I did. The whole, month, the whole second month of the season, it worked out splendidly. Um, so guys, Lou Gehrig actually ended up winning the triple crown. I'm just looking at it now. He, he won the batting title at 359. He had 17 home runs in the 54 game season and, and, uh, logged 58 RBIs. So he was a triple crown winner, um, voted MVP, but you know, Barry Bonds was right there. He had 14 home runs, Jordan, um, you yeah. know, second place on the, on the home run list. 14 home runs, but batting 240, killing me. <laughs> having too many errors too many too many errors on defense eric you had you had some guys up there for a long time mel ott 
led the league for a long time and then kind of cool. But he just didn't have the at bats. He he ended up hitting 350. He just didn't have enough at bats to become official. Oh, so, so like managing managerial managing mistake. He didn't have enough at bats. Yeah, yeah. managing. Yeah. That, that explains it. Um, you know, it is fascinating, though, guys, when you look at a like a baseball simulation um, and, you know, we use Stratomatic, but there's I know that the MLB. Uh, oh, man, I'm not sure if it was MLB dot com or the MLB network or whatever. They were doing one for or a baseball reference. Maybe um, they were using um, oh, oh, out of the park baseball OOTP. So there's a lot of different baseball simulations around um, and it's fascinating how accurate they, they end up being because our, our stolen base leader, anybody want to take a guess who our, who our stolen base leader for the season was? Speaks in the third person. That's right, Mr. Ricky Henderson. There you go, um, Ricky. Huh. It remains to be seen whether or not he's going to give Brian the uh, second base back from uh, from Wrigley Field. After <laughs> no, I think I think that's how I, I think that's how he won. He stole second base, and I could never get past first. <laughs> I got stuck. Um, Ricky stole the bag. <laughs> uh, let's see, wins leaders for pitchers. Eddie Plank finished in first, uh, had, had the most wins. He had eight wins, also led the league in ERA with, at 2.95, um, played for the Wright Sox. Uh, winning percentage, though, Clayton Kershaw of the Nutcrackers had the highest winning percentage as the starting pitcher. Yeah, he was 5-1 uh, and one with an ERA just below six. <laughs> Figure yeah, that one out. Um, yeah, but, you know, he, he got run support. And then uh, the guy, Brian, that you were knocking for the longest time, Mariano Rivera, ended up leading the league in saves. He finished with 13, just one save ahead of, of the exceptionals, Billy Wagner. That's what I said. You play enough games and the numbers all go back to where they should be. Yeah, so, so Brian, uh, if, if we were to go, you know, if we were to play a full 162 games, how, how do you like your odds? I think my team would have been pretty scary to beat because your old no, guys would have run stop. out of gas. Stop. I mean, it's true. He was 18 and 11 in the second half of the season. Um, I mean, he, he boat raced us by far in the second half. Yep. We were 16 and 13. He didn't boat race us. All I know is I well, beat you on the final day. Yeah, well, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Other items of note, Roy Campanella finished with an active 15-game hitting streak for the Nutcracker. I mean, the Nutcrackers really turned it around. Because if you turn, if you tuned into any of our podcasts early on when we had the simulation going, um, there was, was just a not a whole so, lot going on. So, hey, hang on, Reg. Reg, did you turn over the simulations to Brian Midway because you were too busy? <laughs> no, that no sir, happened? I did not. No, we uh, – we maintained it all the way through and, and, uh, really, you know, um, it, it was a coin. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was fun. I, I enjoy doing it with you guys. Um, you know, it's kind of fun to, to think about hypothetical scenarios of what if, you know, how would, how would, um, you know, some of baseball's greats face, uh, square off against, um, some of the modern day heroes. And I think we got a little bit of everything, you know, we saw, we saw some real life history play out. We saw some, some unexpected surprises. I mean, Lindor for me hitting 333. Um, I mean, that was, that was awesome. It was cool. It was cool to see a modern day player mix it up. Mike Trout led the league in strikeouts, Jordan. Uh, so well, Mike, Mike Trout was my best player though, man. Hey. I mean, he was, he was steady Eddie all year. You, you, you led the league in something, Jordan. 
Oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Just kick me when I'm down, Eric. <laughs> I have hey, Eric. Or, hey, Jordan. He's just mad because you didn't beat Reg the last exactly. day of the year, like I beat him. Right. Exactly. Gonna take on, it out bro. on you when he couldn't, I, I take couldn't beat his anybody. Own business. I couldn't beat anybody. So you were you were doing all right early on. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the basketball simulation. Then then, then it'll turn around. <laughs> this is my go. first. This is my first time. That's because Reg is going to have George Mikan and Bob oh, Cousy yeah. <laughs> and Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. Pistol Pete. And uh, Oscar Robertson. No, Pistol Pete belongs to Brian's era. Yes. Oh. It's going to romanticize <laughs> Dr. J, Pistol Pete, uh, Chocolate Thunder, Daryl Dawkins. Oh, please. Oh, man. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. Yeah. We will yeah. Come one, come all. Anyway, that was a lot of fun until the last game. That, that was a lot of fun until the last game. Whoever came up with the idea was, I just don't like them anymore. So that's how Get In The Game Classic finishes up. Reggie Wright picks up the championship and an honorary blue ball recipient, Mr. Reggie Wright. He gets a fuzzy, fuzzy blue ball this fuzzy Christmas blue time. Ball from, yep, from, from Blue Chip Broadcasting and Get In The Game. There you go, Reg. You're right. I want you to hang it in your car with pride. Oh, I will. I will. We can see it on all the podcasts in the future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, his rearview mirror is going to serve as his trophy case as well. <laughs> it, it, it's very versatile. Well, Brian, as we come to the end of episode 90, uh, it's time to – it's time to make an announcement and we'll just go ahead and do it that we are here at get in the game and at blue chip sports. We are going to take a bit of a sabbatical. It has been an incredibly rough and difficult last 12 months or so for um, our team and our family here. And we're going to come into a very difficult time and uh, it is time for us to, to step back and step away uh, for a little bit. Don't know for how long, but for those of you that have been listening to us, uh, we really appreciate your loyalty and your faithfulness. Remember, there's 90 of these things uh, to listen to. So go back onto the website and start plugging away and, and get through all 90. And about the time you're through all 90, it's about 90 hours of listening material. Some of it good, some of it not. Uh, but if you can get through all 90, that'll be about the time when we'll be ready to come back. I, I would highly recommend um, searching the keywords Eliud Kipchoge. <laughs> um, those are those are some highlights or uh, uh, the awards, <laughs> the awards yes, the, show. The sports awards are worth a re-listen. They are. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and and uh, ballpark food is a classic. Mm-hmm. You know oh, yeah. that, and I think one that is a little underrated is uh, sports movies parts one and two. There we go. There's some of our better work. Yeah. So I just, it, you know, when there's not a lot of sports going on for us to deal with, when we're not calling our regular uh, events that we normally call, um, it's time just for us to take a break, right? Take a break, right, Brian? Yeah, and I think for all of us, um, it, it's been a challenge. Uh, we'll be coming up on the one year uh, for my family um, next month, in the month of September, uh, that we remember the loss of uh, my son, Carter, 
who was uh, one of the original parts of the blue chip family uh, working with us on games, uh, both at the, when we were doing high school football, Friday night football, as well as Stan state basketball. And so we're just going to take some time as a family, not only our immediate family, but the blue chip family, just take some time to reflect and reminisce. I know it's been also a very difficult uh, nearly eight months for Eric and his family and, and Reggie as well. And Jordan, who's become like a family member to us. Um, you know, it hasn't been easy on him and with all the changes going on with, uh, with COVID, with basketball and all that kind of stuff to give him a chance to kind of figure, figure out over the next month or so, at least kind of what the different roles are going to be played. We just feel like it's time for us to take a step back. Yes. That means there won't be a football preview this year. There won't be probably a baseball playoff preview, but, uh, We'll, we'll try and find ways to get some stuff out there, even on our Twitter and Instagram for some fun. But we just want to take a chance to step back. And it's a very bittersweet time because we love doing this and it gives us a chance to get together, though we, we haven't been together together for nearly six months. But uh, it has given us a chance to connect in some way, shape or form. And that is something that I will definitely miss. Yep. Um, but we feel like it is the, the, the prudent thing and, and, the, and the proper thing to just take a chance to pause and to, uh, to just stop a little bit and, and just look back and, and just see what we can do to remember some things that have been lost and to re look at how we want to approach this going forward. Yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to take some time to do some, some, some work on ourselves and, and try to, try to heal some hurts and deal with some uh, stuff that we've got going on. But then we also, as soon as we get past that piece just a little bit, we do want to take a hard look at what we're doing, how we're doing it and figure out a way to better do it. And I think uh, it'll be a, it'll be a lot of fun. And, and I think as Brian and I and Reg and, and Jordan sit down and brainstorm ideas and figure out how we can do this even better um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think, I think we want to incorporate audio with this. I think we want to incorporate video with this. I think we want to try to figure out a way to keep our, our, our Twitter and our Instagram feeds relevant and all pointing, uh, you know, to, to athletics and doing things, uh, that are fun and timely controversial. And yet, you know, maybe thinking outside the box for some things, but we, we definitely need to, to, to repackage what we're doing and uh, come back a little bit more refreshed and rejuvenated. Um, and so, uh, again, I can't say thank you enough to all of you that have listened and been faithful listeners this whole time um, and appreciate it. We will be back, and we will be better than we ever have been. So for the entire Blue Chip crew and those of us that are working on getting in the game, from Spencer, Bo uh, Spencer Boyd, our, our engineer, from our um, interns um, who are working with us, from Chelsea Berry, who's done a you. great job improving Chelsea our is, Instagram and our Twitter. Chelsea is phenomenal. We love Chelsea. Um, and and for for Jordan Santa Maria, Reggie Wright, Brian Nelson, myself, Eric Davis, I just want to say thank you for listening. And remember this: no matter how long we're gone. No matter where we go, no matter what you're doing, get in the game. You've been listening to Get in the Game.
exclusive presentation of the Blue Chip Sports Network. Get in the game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and bluechipbroadcasting.com.